I might actually bring up the whole church thing. Am I on the air? You're being recorded. <laughs> so we're going to start now? I got a text from a friend. Heard it from a friend who's... Name, heard it from name a starts friend with a, a bob, who. ends with an ud. Uh, heard you've been messing around. Since I mentioned the church, we, we're supposed to substitute Jesus for the church is what... Like, if you have a beef with the church, just instead of thinking you have a beef with the church, you need to substitute church with Jesus, and now your beef is with Jesus. All this talk of beef's making me hungry. <laughs> but D- yeah, deflection. I think, I think you summed it up. Deflection, Your Honor. Uh, that was a, in a BYU devotional, and uh, you can read about that at the, the Church News, which is the Deseret News. And also the Daily Universe covered the, the sermon, the uh, fireside devotional. It's titled, okay, so we'll put a link to this. It's titled, Why a Church? I've got it here on speeches.byu.edu. No, I don't want to do that one. The Church News has it. The quote was, and this is not... This is not going to be the full quote. Like in context, it's well the whole the whole talk. I, look, we generally steer clear from this issue here on this on this podcast. But uh, Elder Hamilton, who, uh, who is he? Is he? A, he's a seventy. Is seventy, I think. And he was speaking at BYU. BYU, as a lot of you probably know, does TED talks. No. Week, weekly devotional. Weekly TED talks. Highly produced. Lit up stage, round BYU logo underneath. I mean, we're like you know, two thousand dollars suits, the the headset mic. Yeah, I don't this know. This is that, like Tony Robbins. I don't know territory. if that was a new thing for this particular one, or if they've been doing that for a while. But yeah, it's a it's, it's a little. I, different, I haven't been paying much attention approach. to. I I would have been living my happy life, not paying attention to this, except for Mister Flood's texting well i it was thrown at me uh via the the tweeters i saw it on the tweeter church news website synopsis of this he says he has met people who point out their ideas or perceived perceived church shortcomings <laughs> they're only perceived perceived and say they feel they are loyal to christ but not to some of his church's teachings elder hamilton quoted Oaks, first counselor, blah, 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 who said in April's 2016 general conference, there is no warrant for this concept in the government of God's kingdom where questions are honored, but opposition is not. So let's pause there because I, I, when I read that, I had to read it a couple of times. What he's saying is that it's both Hamilton and Oaks are saying it's impossible to feel a union or a loyalty to Christ without having that same loyalty to the church. Well, the, 
Yeah, and the underlying premise is that the church is the kingdom of God on the earth. Right. Right. That's and it is there's no way that it could go apostate. All other versions of the Lord's church have gone apostate, but this one cannot. This one in the quote latter days right. cannot. That's the premise. But even if let let's accept the premise, and I still think that it's possible to have issues and still feel like you're following Jesus. Okay. Especially when you consider all of the non-gospel-related enterprises that the church is entangles involved in. itself with. Like the United Nations? Like that, or a mall in Salt Lake City, or a okay. secret Or the Washington, D.C., the, the Washington, D.C. Gay Men's Choir singing at the temple? Twice. Okay. Or the support for the Defense Against Marriage Act. Those are types of things that... I think rational, faithful, loyal people can say, wait a minute. We disagree. We have you questions should. or not, we not disagree. Just, no, it's not. He's saying the questions are honored, but opposition is not. Meaning you can't say, no, that was not a good idea. You shouldn't have done that. We don't support that. That's what they're saying is you have or to you, support. You have to support it because the opposite of opposition is support. Or you can ask the questions, but you have to accept the answer no matter what they are. And in often cases, the answers are just not, they're not answered. They're, yeah. But also there are people out there saying, well, you don't have to be, it's not one way or the other. And that's correct. Hugh Nibley would correct us on that. You can, you can say I'm not either for or against. I can, I can abstain here. And so I think that's what the uh, leadership would prefer is if you just simply be quiet. Okay. Continue with the well, anyway, the quote g- continues. Uh, questions are honored, but opposition is not. Elder Hamilton continued to explain that he will sometimes remember say they could not, or that they do not support certain church policies or do not agree with the way the church does something. Quote from his talk. Could I suggest an alternative approach, he asked. Substitute the word Savior or Lord or Jesus Christ in place of the church. For me personally, that seems to put a very different perspective on things. Indeed it does. <laughs> so, of course, this all comes down to the next sentence. He taught that church leadership is up to the First Presidency, who the Lord appoints, and those who hold appropriate priesthood keys. Um, he, that, that's kind of a whitewash of the talk. If you listen to this in context, what he was saying was that you come unto Christ by going to church and going through the covenant path. That he literally, that's what he said. I'm not making this up. You can listen to the talk. We'll link to it. Coming unto Christ means going to church, partaking of the sacrament, and going through and getting your temple ordinances. That's what was taught, and that is commonly taught. And uh, he also went on to say that, you know, you can substitute the word Savior or Lord Jesus Christ in place of the church. That is a direct quote. But in context, it was even more direct that, you know, if you, if you have a problem, that's what you should do is in your mind, you should say, do I have a problem with Jesus Christ on this issue? That's what he said. And then he went on to relay the Old Testament story of the man who was struck dead by God for trying to steady the ark while they were transporting the ark of the covenant which is often brought up in the context of um disagreeing with church leaders because of section what section is it where the mighty and strong one is 
talked about. Uh, we looked this up a while ago. Yeah, it, it, off it, the top of my head, I'm not remembering. I, for some reason, 121's coming to mind. It's not 121. But I, I'm wrong. I, I don't remember. I don't I'll find ha- it. I don't have the ability to recall chapter and verse like, like you do. Come on. First Nephi 3 7. You can quote that one. Well, yeah, I can quote that one. <laughs> there's a chapter and there's a verse. <laughs> so what are you talking about? <laughs> okay. Well, well, I did one. You know, you know, I was thinking about you don't even have you don't have to say the you don't have to say the words of the scripture, you just say the chapter and the verse. I was say thinking like, about that the other day. section ten verse sixty five through sixty seven. There's there's a there's a random verse. Uh, I, I was thinking about scripture mastery the other day and how there were certain scriptures that were chosen for us to really learn and recall. And sometimes I, I and I and I don't have any issues with any of those passages, but why those and only those and not more of the whole body of work? I guess that's harder to do. But. It's, D, it's DNC 87 that talks about the one mighty and strong. And then it talks about in, so verse seven is about the one mighty and strong, by the way, who is Jesus Christ? And then it says, uh, eight, while that man who was called of God and appointed that putteth forth his hand to steady the ark of God shall fall by the shaft of death, like a tree that is smitten by the vivid shaft of lightning, which again is also referencing that Old Testament story. So he 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 went all the way. This is not us make you, go listen to this. I mean, that's what I, I don't know. I, maybe I just stumbled into this, and maybe you don't want to talk about this today because we kind of <laughs> we we've tended to kind of avoid some of these controversial topics. But I I find this one a, a very um, egregious example of the reality that we're dealing with relative to how the what the what the hierarchy is teaching, and that is that, you know, and and he taught it in this talk that the the unanimous decision of the fifteen represents Christ's word. Period. End of story. You know, if you and if you're opposed to that, you're opposed to Christ. Yeah, I guess I guess at some point here, if you were to to really dig into this and and drill down. You, he he says you cannot accept Jesus Christ and reject his church or his authorized messengers. The editorial, so this is this is the editorial of the you know whoever wrote this article says in order to truly follow him, meaning Jesus, means following church leaders. Um obviously they mean church as in the LDS church. You cannot accept Jesus Christ and reject his church or his authorized messengers. You cannot separate Jesus Christ from the church. That's of the title Jesus of the church. That's the ch- title of the church news article is you cannot separate Jesus Christ from the church. Now I so I guess the the question is what is the church? What does that mean? And now I know a lot of people are saying there's nothing controversial or anything about any of this. Why are you guys talking about it? But I think it's it was I think it'd be worth having a conversation about what is the church that when when Jesus Christ says this is my church or there are save only two churches, what is he talking about? Well, there's one place where it is clearly defined in Scripture. It was 1829 to Joseph Smith, and it says in chapter in section 10 of the Doctrine and Covenant, it says, "Behold, this is my doctrine: Whosoever repenteth and cometh unto me, the same is my church." 
Okay. Okay, that's the that's where the church is actually defined, and that matches the Greek definition of church, ecclesia. Now remember, uh, ecclesia means the called out ones. Uh, it can mean the congregation, the body of believers. The the Catholic Church or the early Orthodox Church was very keen to translate this uh, into Latin. Um, Eglisia, I believe, is what it is in Latin. It, I know that that's Eglise is what it is in French. I'm not. I can't remember the exact word in Latin, but you can hear it. It's a clear cognate from the the Greek ecclesia. That's where you get uh, uh, the Spanish and French eglisia, eglise, um, those words. But uh, that came to mean an institutional church, right? And William Tyndale, who's one of the pioneers of the English language Bible, it, one of the main accusations read at his um, his killing, his, his, his execution, <laughs> you know, they, they had to strangle him first, I think, or pierce his soft palate or something, because you can't have heretics crying out in, in amidst the flames. They learned this from Jacques de Molay, who cursed both the Pope and the and the King of France, the the great Templar Grand Master, when they burnt him at the stake, and they both died a year later. So they couldn't have guys uh, cursing them while they're being burned at the stake. There's a fun uh, side note here with the. I think I've mentioned the Terry Gilliam. Neil Gaiman story, Good Omens. There's a witch burning in that. Oh yeah. And the and the witch, the burners come and the and the witch is like, You're late. And she marches herself to her own burning. Oh yeah. And she pronounces a curse. And then she also <laughs> she also <laughs> laced herself with gunpowder oh, and, it, and <laughs> nails and bolts and stuff and blows herself, blows up, herself and up. Kills all of her accusers. <laughs> oh wow. And her her own killers. It's that's pretty dramatic. It is, but it's done in a, in a it's done in a in a kind of tongue in cheek, light, really? lighthearted way, as often Neil Gaiman does. But, huh. but you know, it's kind of the same idea, right? They, they well, should've... we have scriptural evidence of this too, and that's in the Abinadi King Noah episode, right? You know what what you're doing to me. Yeah, and 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 we know that King Noah suffered the same. Yeah, the it's, same fate. Yeah. Well, anyway. Uh, you know, whosoever repenteth and cometh unto me, that's the Greek ecclesia. And it, what's interesting here is that there's a caveat in verse 68. It says, whosoever declareth more or less than this, the same is not of me, but is against me. Therefore, he is not of my church. That's the part that we, you know, I mean, that's, 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 there's gravity there. there mm-hmm. That's, that's a very, Strong statement. Okay, well, let me play church's advocate. I'm not going <laughs> to... <laughs> Wait a minute. Did you just do a substitution on us, an unauthorized substitution? Yeah, I substituted the church for the, instead of devil in that phrase. Wow. <laughs> I don't know if we can even publish this now. Everything I said to this point was recoverable. Well, like, we, like we could recover from everything I've said, but now we can't recover. Well, because, well, because listen, if I had said, let me play devil's advocate, then there's people out there who would say, you're calling the church the, the devil. So I just took, you just did a substitution. I, I took Elder Hamilton's advice and I just did a quick substitution. A quick substitution. Yeah. Substituting, so, I guess, can get you into trouble. That's what we're trying to point out here and demonstrate through <laughs> real so, conversation. But I think this is a good conversation to have. So 
in the Doctrine and Covenants, which you've quoted, the church, the, the Lord also says, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, in whom I am well pleased, right? No. What does he say? What's the phrase? Okay. <laughs> and, he, and, he, and he names the church, right? That's, no, that's, that's okay. There's two different, you're conflating two different sections here. Right, right. I, I, I'm, there's two times where that... It's DNC section one and section 115, but go okay. ahead. What, finish your thought, and then I'll tell you what it actually says. Sorry. Well, no, no, no when, when, when these kind of conversations come up about what is the church, what is Christ's church, okay. the, these verses in, in LDS uh, scripture, in LDS context of these kind of conversations, like if you, were, if you went to Gospel Doctrine next Sunday and they had this conversation, I guarantee you these verses would be quoted. And, and they both, if I'm remembering right, well, okay, read, which one are you at? Okay, I don't want to give you the, 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 the alternative Sunday school lesson until you're done with your thought, because well, the, context uh, again, really, the context really matters. The two, the two in, in question that normally get brought up, DNC 10 doesn't ever get brought up, okay. but section one is 1830, so a year later, and section um, 115 is more like 1838, so it's after the church had gone through two iterations. Uh-huh. First, first, the church, it was called the Church of Christ in 1830. 30, and it was called the Church of the Latter-day Saints in 1835. If you can find an 1835 Doctrine and Covenants, you'll see that it's, it's called the Church of the Latter-day Saints. Right. And then in, after the, the Kirtland blowing up episode, uh, Joseph flees and writes his history again in, in, in what ends up being called the Wentworth Letter, and then now it's called the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. But you're going to find that in section 115, there are two churches named, not, in fact, there's, I think there's actually three churches named, but uh, we latch onto these, these snippets and we, we proof text them. We take them out of context. And so the context of section one is really important, but uh, what were you going to say? Cause you, you were going to, you were going to kind of establish where we get this from. Right. That's I, what I was saying is that's usually kind of the, this idea of, of Jesus talks about his church, right? And oftentimes in our culture, LDS culture, we hear that the the church that was restored through Joseph Smith is, is this, his church. Is his church and is the same as the New Testament church, the church that Christ established when he was, was on the earth. Right. And that's With, sort of a Campbellite Sidney Rigdon in innovation because Joseph was saying that no, this is the restoration of all as at first, like Adam's church, okay, which is supposed to be Christ's church. But the, the big issue is what is a church? What is it? What is it really? Right. And I think the current day answer is that it's an organization with hierarchy and authority and keys and different callings, right? Right. We'll jump to the article of faith that says we believe in, right? Uh, uh Prophets, apostles, teachers, evangelists, and so forth. I, I didn't even get that right. Well, what is it? So forth. Something like that. Et cetera, et cetera. Okay. We believe, if, if, you have a, if you have a church or a company or whatever, using the term company loosely, but <laughs> if the shoe fits, um, and you have all these executive offices, then that's sort of, it's usually taught that way that that identifies a church. How can you have a church of Christ without his apostles? How can, how can you have, a, but we don't have offices called evangelists, even though the, 
Right. The, we change that to bishops. Well, or, or missionaries or right. something like that. Yeah. So anyway, do you want me to go on or you wanted, did you want to add? Well, I, I, all I'm saying is like in, in, when this conversation comes up, it comes up a lot actually. And you have one side that kind of says, and, and this is within gospel doctrine, Mormonism, let's yeah. say the tradition of Mormonism. Some people may be active card carrying LDS. Some may be somewhere in between there and excommunicated former members, non-members, but usually there's this tradition of Mormonism that the tradition is that is that the when Christ ever whenever Christ says church, he means the LDS church. And that's what Hamilton's premise is all predicated. Whenever he has said church scripturally? Whenever he says it at all. At all, it always means the the institution of the church rather than those who repent and come unto me. Or both, they just sort of wrap it all up because the, the, again, the assumption here is that those who repent and come unto me get baptized are members of the LDS Church. Right, that's the assumption. Otherwise, you know, it, it, as we've kind of seen, that's through, the that's the rationalization we've seen through other other talks and other devotionals and things that that you don't truly, you're not fully repented or fully coming unto Him until you're baptized into the LDS church. I'm saying LDS because it's easier to say that than the full name. If you were on BYU sports casting, you would be required to say the full name. But I'm not. But you would be required. I would be. You'd have to say, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Right. We could try to do that and follow the rule. (laughs) That would make this podcast one-third longer <laughs> if we continue to talk about the church the whole time. We, this is unscripted, by the way. Right, but it's... Um, it's we're making Bobby Flood very uncomfortable No, I, I'm not uncomfortable. <laughs> okay. I, I, we're probably making some of our listeners uncomfortable, <laughs> but I, I'm comfortable having these kinds of conversations, and in our off-the-air conversations that we've had over the years... Sure. You know that I've said... And now I'm on you the have record. An opinion. I'm on the record saying it that these are the kinds of conversations we should be having at church on Sundays. Well, the, we should be wrestling with these topics and these ideas. The the this is not new. You know, you've got President Benson gave the talk 14 fundamentals in the 80s, I think. Uh, there's the comment that when the prophet speaks, the thinking has been done or something like that, you know, right. These are, these are from the 20th century. It's not, it's not like this, this idea hasn't been around that you need to follow the church hierarchy. The, the thing is that the rhetoric is reaching a certain level, like, should you go on a mission or should you ask the Lord if you should go on a mission? Dumb question. Right. We did an episode on that, and it was called Dumb Questions, I believe. It Can't was. remember which one it was. but And that was the area, Utah Area Authority said that in a similar, it might have even been a BYU devotion. I think it was, it was more a regional fireside. Maybe. It was some other sort of it was a lower, big event. It lower was, tier. It wasn't general conference. It yeah. wasn't a, a, a big broadcast thing, but it gets, it gets covered by the church dues. Right. Right, that, and nobody nobody really reads that. Yeah, nobody really. Well, it seems like the only people that are reading the church no, news are people who are really bored, and people who are detract detractors who who are, I don't want to call them detractors, but people who are looking for 
the latest, like, what are they up to? You know, because who's really reading the church news? I, I imagine people, LDS Living Magazine. I imagine people are out there reading it, or at least looking through for something interesting. My grandmother would have been the type to read it. There was a comment. This is somewhat related. A comment recently from a, an older gentleman who's who said uh, who said uh, made the comment something like, "Even our governor, in his state of the state address recently, said dot dot dot." And I was like. Wow, someone who actually watches that. (laughs) Wow. I want to shake your hand. But I'm sure that there's an an audience, right? I guess the question is, how how is the teaching being received? Do people read something like this Hamilton, uh, uh, Selder Hamilton devotional? Do they look at it and it does it? Does it just go right over them like water off a duck's back, or do they think this this doesn't sound right, or this this is an interesting take, or is it you know? It certainly didn't come up in church yesterday. By the way, today's Monday, <laughs> another Monday, uh, January thirtieth, two thousand twenty-three, one thirty-two three. We are the Mind Virus Podcast. I'm Bobby Flood. That's Jordan Bruno. Hi. And uh, if you're listening to us, you probably already know all of that. We are. If you're still listening to us, congratulations. <laughs> we, we, we're well into our third year, right? We've got two plus years, so we're, this is our third year. Mind Virus Podcast, established 2020. This is uh, episode 112. 12? I think so. That's a lot of episodes. That's a lot of blither blather. Yeah, episode 112. We did our big predictions episode for 2023 last week. It was episode number 111. It was. And if you're into predictions and mindless, baseless speculating, that might be a fun episode for you. This episode is for you. (laughs) If you're into interesting, thinking in interesting ways about the prevailing culture slash church in the state of Utah... This episode today might be for you, right? And we're we're both uh, we're both L- <coughs> LDS, uh, and uh, I would call us both uh, fervent believers. I, I don't want to put words in Jordan's mouth, but I, I think that's a that's fair, a loaded statement. Well, <laughs> to, to, uh, open to <laughs> interpretation. Definitely, very much appreciate the work of Joseph Smith Jr. and uh, the Book of Mormon, and which was clearly a warning for our day, for the people who would read that book, right? Yeah, it's a warning for the other people who never read the book. <laughs> All the warnings apply to other people. When you read that, it's, <laughs> when it's, if it's good, it's for you. If it's warning someone, it's not for you. <laughs> if it makes you feel good, that was for you. But if not, don't liken that scripture to yourself. Because, well, anyway, look, Dr. Covenant section one. Let's get back to this whole church thing. Let me just okay. put this in context because these, these verses get quoted out of context. The, 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 that, as you were saying, the rhetoric has been amplified over the last, say, five years. And the problem is we're talking about substituting Christ for the church, which is an institution, right? At that This is clearly what Hamilton and the, high, the higher-ups are currently teaching is that you, the church as an institution speaks for God. 
Okay, and what I'm trying to explain is that that's not the meaning of the word church. The word ecclesia means called out ones. The church is the people. Remember how you do that thing with your hands? Here's the church and here's the steeple. Open it up and see all the people. (laughs) Okay, you know, do that with your kids at church. That's that's what we're talking about. So if you look at the context of section one, which is the the only true and living church upon the face of the whole earth, which I, the Lord, am well pleased. Uh, with which I, the Lord, am well pleased, speaking unto the church collectively and not individually. I'm quoting from DNC 1, verse 30. You need to realize, everybody that's listening, that there is a huge run-on sentence slash a bunch of parenthetical statements that is slammed between verse 1 and verse 30, okay? <laughs> the scriptures are sometimes like this. You, you need to you need to like parse them out and see what they're actually saying because... Verse 30 starts with the word and also to those and also those to whom these commandments were given, right? So it's sort of it's starting in the middle of a thought, and the thought is this. The verse one says, Hearken, O ye people of my church, saith the voice of him who dwells on high. Okay, this is the day uh, this is uh, at a conference in November of 1831. So this is after the church was officially organized the year prior. Okay. Meaning that it was a group of people that had organized together and had filled out the paperwork for the state of New York, if I remember right. Right. April 6th, 1830. Right. Was it the Whitmer farm? I can't remember. You can go back and check all this out. But the point is, the revelation says, Hearken, O ye people of my church. Hearken, ye people from afar, ye that are on the islands of the sea. Listen to together. And the Lord goes through some parenthetical statements about who should be listening to this. It talks about the inhabitants of the earth. It talks about Joseph Smith Jr., the servants, the apostles, you know, uh, Babylon. Um, anyway, I... Uh, and I think it's worth pointing out that even in this, the Lord warns about the secrets. <laughs> Their secret acts shall be revealed, yeah. which I think, in my opinion, and maybe this is my uh, my brain, you know, being so addled with baseless conspiracy theories, but I think the Lord is reminding us that there are secret acts. There is a secret combination, and yeah. it shall be revealed. Yeah. Anyway, it goes on and on and on. I mean, do this if you're really, if you're like thinking we're we're crazy. If you're thinking we're off our rockers or whatever, you need to go look at the context of section one in 1831, and it says all these people that are supposed to listen to this revelation, and also those to whom these commandments were given, might have power to lay the foundation of this church. Okay, so they're laying the foundation of what? This church, which is the the question, is the definition of what that really is, and so what we're taught is the thing is that the thing that we see operating institutionally that owns the buildings, the thing that tells us what to do, all these people that that run it, that's the thing, and and the reality is that it not, looked nothing like that in the day of Joseph Smith. In fact, Joseph Smith, when he heard the Lord say the word foundation of this church he would have understood it more in the terms of the Greek ecclesia because that was the definition he had been given two years earlier in 1829 by the Lord himself. This is my church, those who repent and come unto me. And, and that's another good uh, thought uh, 
experiment or, or um, exercise that every person should go through, and that is, what does it mean to come unto Christ? Because the Lord says, come unto me, all ye that, are, that labor and are heavy, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come unto me. You know, I will succor you. I will instruct you. I will guide you through the cosmos to the throne of God, right? So that's essentially what we get out of the scriptures and the, the Lord's voice and the prophet's voice. Tell, they tell you to come unto Christ. And so when, if you substitute Christ for the church, then Jesus is saying, come to church, but he literally says, come unto me. If, you, if we can take his words at face value, he's saying, come unto me. And that's difficult. We, we, we lack the faith because we can't see him. That's the problem, is we don't believe that we can actually hear him. <laughs> Hashtag hear him. How do you hear him? I mean, see, do you see how this gets really messed up? So, in, in, and I'm not trying to be... Um, Go ahead, uh, be, the, be the church's no, advocate. No, I'm not trying to be sarcastic here. Have we then substituted the church for Jesus in that sense that w- we now go to church and tell ourselves, convince ourselves that that is coming unto him? That's easy, because it's easy for me to talk to you. It's easy for me to talk to my bishop, to my elders quorum president, whatever. It's easy for me to get an answer out of you, usually. In the modern age, we now text each other and we ghost each other, so sometimes it's hard to get an answer. But <laughs> Turn off your read receipt. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the problem is that through prayer and with all of our modern distractions and the way our minds work, it, it's difficult to gain confidence in the idea that you can approach the Lord. This was the problem with the Zoramites in Alma chapter 32-ish, is that they were kicked out of the synagogues and they thought, well, how can we approach the Lord because we can't go to the synagogue? And, and well, that's, that's because the people at the synagogue were were too righteous for the Zoramites. Well, and they could stand on the Ramiumptum and they could say the or prayer. Or do I have that backwards? <laughs> well, the, but the, the whole episode ends with Amulek telling them, cry unto the Lord in your closets, in your fields. Right. He's like, you talk, talk to God whenever you want, is Al- Amulek's, and Al- right. Alma, wherever this you is want, following up Alma's conversation. About whatever you want, whenever you want. See, Alma's conversation on faith starts with, and here's another fun little Mormonism. We say faith is like a little seed, you know, it's the, right. the song. It's a, he, Alma says, plant my word in your hearts. Right. And then you can obtain faith. Well, and the word is. The word is the thing that you plant. The word is the logos, who is Jesus Christ, right? Which is what which is what Amulek ends up telling them is cry unto the Lord. Right. Alma's trying to explain you don't need. <laughs> now we're in dangerous territory because Alma's trying to explain that you don't need the synagogue, well, we're which just, is the the institutional is it part. Dangerous of it. To, is it dangerous to recap Alma and Amulek? It is dangerous. People are getting <laughs> xed for this stuff. That's why it's like I'm like, why are you even talking about this right now? You're going to have to cut this whole. You're going to have to edit this episode if you want to avoid repercussions. That's a possibility. It's always a possibility with, with any with, conversation. With, with Jordan and Bobby on the <clears throat> phone, it's, it's a problem. <laughs> I'm getting anxious, anxiety But, but what I'm saying is, is, is it, it's easy for people of any denomination to, again, to kind of conflate or apply, let's use that word, apply Elder Hamilton's thought experiment to substitute the church for Jesus, which is kind of an inversion of what he suggests, right? He says, 
use Jesus instead of the church to solve your well, this issues is, or but questions. But this is just the natural. But what I'm saying, so is 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 we do that sort of in our religious practice. Is is that instead of coming to Him or come follow me, meaning Jesus, those were His words, like literally Jesus, not. Right, not the not, not the LDS, not the uh, correlated uh, uh, materials for teaching. Uh, curriculum, curriculum is the word I'm looking for, <clears throat> which I think I've mentioned. I don't like that name because we just flippantly now use the that's Savior's the words with, to refer to a rebranding curriculum, a product. Well, that's the problem with rebranding scriptural language, like ministering or so, covenant path. So we 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 go to church. In, and and, and I, I say this of all denominations, all people, we go to church and we count that as coming unto him. And I'm not saying it's not part of it, but we say that is enough. Well, and I think it's because you go to church and you focus on scriptural teachings or doctrine, or you talk about the Lord at church, and because where uh, one or more are gathered in my name, you know, I'm there also. You know, the fact that the Lord is working with everyone, everyone, including the Protestants, including the Baptists, including the Jehovah's Witnesses, including the Muslims. <gasps> right. God, and he may be known by, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm, I don't even know if I want to go there, but he, he is known to all people in certain ways. Now, you need to realize that he's working on teaching the, them his correct mission and form and function, right? So it's not like everybody, in my opinion, I don't think everybody understands the narrative appropriately, but God is working with everyone, all the people on the earth, in some way to try and help them to um, surmount the evil that faces them here in this world, to remain loyal to good, to remain, you know, so... So we, we boil it down to, well, you got to join the church you can't, or you can't be saved, right? Right. And there are certain conditions for salvation, in my opinion, but, but we have uh, <laughs> we definitely made this institution out to be something. I, I mean, if Elder Hamilton is correct that you can substitute the church for Christ, that's a, that is a big leap. That's a... That's a Right, and that, I, that, that I, means why, why is the Catholic Church no longer considered by the Mormons to be the correct church? They they made the same argument long ago. Right. Well, again, that that's easy one. You just say, well, apostasy and restoration. Okay. I, I'm just saying that's the that's the I understand the answer that. that that's that, the that that we've been <laughs> taught, and and again, I. I you know, in section one, it says, it says, uh, and the arm of the Lord shall be revealed, and the day cometh that they who will not hear the voice of the Lord, neither the voice of his servants, neither give heed to the words of the prophets and apostles, shall be cut off from among the people. What people? The people. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, the body you, of believers, the, the church. Body, the called out ones. These are the, this is the ecclesia. So the question is, who is the ecclesia? If Nephi is correct that there are only two churches, and if our gospel doctrine lessons are correct when we talk about that, because routinely, at least what I remember, <laughs> the last time this is talked about was that you could be part of the church of 
Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and still be part of the Church of the Devil if you're not really part of the Lamb, the Church of the Lamb, right? That the, the, the two churches only mean, the, when, when the Lord says church, he means that church. He doesn't mean institutional church. He means those who really repent and come unto him. Right. But we have this institutional church. Almost all churches now are institutionalized. Right, even except e- for the ones that aren't that follow the old definition. Well, right, but those aren't. Th- that's hard to quantify. That's hard to identify. Well, that's why it's so difficult for people in bureaucratic positions to deal with because it can't be quantified. It can't be tracked. It can't be measured. It can't be improved by their standards. You, you or the, the metrics. Yeah, the metrics don't apply. Right. <clears throat> okay. Well, okay. So, so. Section one is really significant because you, you bring up some good points, but I, I hope that you'll look at this differently now, everybody. You got to look at verses one through 29 as sort of parenthetical. And then it gets to this point and it says, um, you know, these guys were given power to bring it out of obscurity, the foundation of the church, right? Bring it forth out of obscurity and out of darkness. The only true and living church upon the face of the whole earth, which w- with which... I, the Lord, am well pleased, speaking unto the church collectively as a collection of individuals and not individually. So there was something that the group was doing in so, 1831 that made them true and living, okay? So but that, that was 1831. That verse is an interesting one, you know, and that often gets, is the one that gets quoted. Um. That's the one that always gets quoted. Right. So now I'm wondering now, I'm, I'm seeing this maybe a little different. He says, I, the Lord, am well pleased, speaking under the church collectively and not individually. I've always thought of that as individually, meaning me personally. But is he referring to the church individually as a body? Does that make sense? Meaning that there are other groups of people that constitute I'm wondering if he's saying parts of the not, of the Lord's could, church. Could you say could could this also be interpreted speaking unto the church collectively and not institutionally? Is the individually there referring to you and me as individuals and believers, or is it talking about something different? Well, it's certainly 1831, so it's not talking to us. It's talking to well, I mean, them. I mean, if we if for us to rest on their laurels, what I mean by that's, you and that's me, one, but I that, mean okay. individuals. Yeah, I, I kind of hear what you're saying, but I'll also like realize that every time this is trotted out, we say that God is God is pleased with our church, meaning the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, because of what He said in 1831. Well, yeah, we definitely still use that to make sure that we feel. Good about everything yeah, today. That's a, that's a huge stretch. I mean, we're, that's yeah, but well over 150 years ago. Well, you could make the argument that he's never said he's not pleased, even though well, I could he say has in the Doctrine and Covenants. Yeah, 18, 1832. The next year, it's Section 84, where he says, "Your minds in times past have been darkened because of unbelief." Because you've treated lightly the things you've received, which vanity and unbelief have brought this whole church under condemnation, and the condemnation resteth upon the children of Zion, even all. Right. So the whole church and even all, that's very clearly and this was reiterated by President Ezra Tab Benson mm-hmm. in the Book of Mormon talk, because he goes on to say you need to 
read the Book of Mormon, but or remember the the new covenant, even the Book of Mormon and the former commandments, which I have given them, not only to say, but to do according to that which I have written. So, so this is uh, section 84, September of 1832. So not even a year later, they get that chastisement, right? It's, it seems kind of arrogant that we, we want to take credit for the, the praise that they got but we won't take credit for the, <laughs> the uh, chastisement and uh, warnings that they got, you know? Right. We, we want to apply the good, but not the bad. Well, section one, you also have verse 38 that gets c- quoted a lot, especially in these types of conversations. By my voice to the voice of my servants, it is the yep. same. Right? So we've been told in this verse, or in this section, to listen to the prophets and apostles, that the Lord is pleased with the church, that you need to obey the commandments and have the ordinances, and that uh, you need to repent, and that by my voice or the voice of my servants, it is the same. What is the same? Because <clears throat> that's the he key. He says, what I the Lord have, this is just 38. What I the Lord have spoken, I have spoken, and I excuse not myself. And though the heavens and the earth pass away, my word shall not pass There's away. There's your logos but shall all be fulfilled, whether by mine own voice or by the voice of my servants, it is the same. So the word, the word of the Lord is fulfilled. So it has to be the word of the Lord. It can't be the word of the servants. That's Mm -hmm. the problem here is it the word of the servants does not constitute the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord is the word of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so we have a, uh, a situation where you have, someone telling you they're receiving the word of the Lord. Right. But they, but do they, <laughs> do they really say it that way? Yes, they do. Or do they say this is the fact that it comes from the church means it's the word of the Lord. <clears throat> well, see, we're in a curious situation where you often have people like elder Hamilton, who is a 70, right? He's kind of a, mid-tier, mid-management, and he says stuff like that, but you don't necessarily have the people who he's claiming are receiving the words of the Lord claiming that they receive the words of the Lord. Does that make sense? And there have even been talks given that, oh, do they have to say, thus saith the Lord, for it to be the word of the Lord? And they'll, uh, there's usually a rationalization that, no, if it comes from the, if it comes from above, if it comes from the, uh, the hierarchy, you should just accept it as the word of the Lord. You, you have the sublime privilege to pray about it and see if that's really God's word to you. <clears throat> right, and that's the situation we're in, right? That's, what, that's the bottom line of Elder Hamilton's uh, fireside or uh, devotional. His talk was, that, was simply that if, if the church says it, <clears throat> if the church officially says it, then it is the word of the Lord. I don't feel like that's a misinterpretation or anything because he he says if if the if the anonymous or anonymous unanimous if it's unanimous it's from the Lord that's what he says right mm-hmm. let me see if I can do I need to find that quote or I don't think so I'll ex- okay. I'll take that that that's what that's what he said and and let's let's wrap wrap up the thoughts on the church because doctrine and covenant section one fifteen is a revelation given in April of eighteen thirty eight at far west of Missouri. 
and uh, the McConkie um, Here, introduction the, to that. Go here's, ahead. here's the quote, and it's editorialized. This is not in quote marks, okay? Oh, okay. So take that for what it's worth. You but can go. I, and, it, 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 you can listen to it. It's you, pretty. <clears throat> it's probably not far off. I listened to that part of the talk. He said, "Now again, this I'm quoting from the article, which does not quote Elder Hamilton." Okay, I just want to make that clear. He said he has heard others say that prophet and apostles can make mistakes and are simply human. While this can be true, Elder Hamilton reminded listeners that decisions which are, ma- which are made in Christ's church always require a unanimous vote. When the prophet and apostles speak in unity, they do so on behalf of the Savior himself. That's Where, a, where's that in scripture? Well, that that's an incredible statement because if you think about things, you know, policy changes and and back and forth with policies that the church engages in, are those made in unity? I, I would think they would be, right? What's the infamous vaccine letter, which was signed by the first presidency? Was that made in unity? Does that mean that letter? I'm sure it was, yeah. Were the words of the Savior? In times of crisis, all individual rights can be restricted. Yeah, are those the words of the Savior? Those, though, they are very much um, giving us the the vibe and the the message that those pronouncements coming out from the official uh, mouthpieces of the church, the the outlets, you know, those are approved. All those messages are approved. And we're supposed to abide by that. Well, and I think this is where good-hearted, sincere people can find themselves. And I have met many people like this in my small, even in my small little circle of influence. Triangle. Yeah. uh, You have good people, honest people, sincere people, sincere believers, seekers of truth and followers of Jesus who say, how can this be? What, what's going on? This does not add up. This does not jive. When, when you seek statements like all individual rights may be reasonably suspended in extraordinary circumstances or follow the wise and thoughtful counsel of government and health officials, whatever the... the, of, the, of the deep state. <laughs> or the vaccine is a literal godsend or it's safe and effective or... Wear a mask or so forth and so on, whatever it is, the implication here is that all of that is coming from the Lord, even though it's contradictory to other statements that they've made. You know, the uh, so-called exclusion doctrine is one, right? Uh, What's that? That was the policy that children of uh, same-sex couples could not be baptized. Right, but that was reversed. It was reversed in short order, you know, two or three years later. Is that the Savior's way to kind of jerk people around and to cause controversy and heartache on whatever side of that you happen to be on, if any side at all? I don't think it's it's, it's a fact that it caused controversy. And so then it was quickly reversed. Is is in both times it was a unanimous decision. See, these these are not these are these are not Well, we don't we don't know what's going on up there. We are told the the way they operate and it it's it's supposed to look like it's all very um 
Well, we've been told it's revelation by committee. Right, but it, but it's all supposed to look, it's all very calm, very much like a, you know, there's there's a there's a there's a television type of a feeling that you've gotten about how this how this is going on up there, and everybody kind of gets it. It's you know they meet and they it's uh, it's harmonious and harmonious. That's the word. I'm and it may for. not be. We're not privy to that. But well, and it, there used to be the feeling that you know they'd meet in the temple every Thursday and God would be there giving his instructions, right? Right. But see, what I'm saying is that it's it's not it's not far afield for somebody to, to look at some of these issues, especially recently in these social and political, uh, a time of social and political acceleration and unrest, to wonder what's going on up there and to wonder how to navigate through this when so much of what's happening is conflicting with people's core beliefs and core belief systems, like liberty, for example, right? The Book of Mormon. Jesus himself spoke often of liberty. What is liberty, right? Jesus said he came to liberate the, the captives. Right. The Book of Mormon says, choose liberty and life or, or captivity and death. I don't think that those words are, are, are mistakes or happenstance or random. Can, well, in know, the, case the title of, Lock- of liberty is one of the most important sure moments in the whole Book of Mormon. And you bring up a good point, because it's a huge cognitive dissonance to say, well, I choose liberty by choosing to follow the counsel of the church and go into lockdown, which is essentially captivity. And somebody would probably right. bring up, well, Alma the, Alma the Elder had to go into captivity. Well, then they left <laughs> by night. <laughs> they, they ran away. But, right, and uh, captivity doesn't always mean literal, like jail. It, it, it means... Spiritual and emotional mental. and mental captivity. Being free, you know, the truth shall set you free, right? Theoretically. <laughs> and, and maybe there's times where, yes, righteous, truthful people were imprisoned. It, we, we, sure. read, we read that, you know, Dan, Daniel was hauled off into captivity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His buddy Nephi escaped your, your point that, but went into the wilderness. Yeah, your, your point being that it is not unra- unreasonable for us to have those questions, right? And if you look at the quote, you've got these leaders excusing questions. It's okay to have questions, but it's not okay to be in opposition. Right. So w- I think the problem we have here is that a lot of people don't have questions, really. They have answers, and they, ha- they must be talked about as questions Otherwise, off with your head, right? I mean, because you can't come out like I'm. We're. I don't know if we're safe, really. I mean, I am concerned about this podcast already because we're we're quoting scripture, but that is not appropriate if you're told not to and not to talk about it in those terms. Like, if you lay if you lay it out from 1829, where we started in chronological order, 1829, 1831, 1832, now we're to 1838, where the Lord, it says, McConkie says, the Lord names his church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Well, if you read the Revelation, it says, again, this is another parenthetical ramp-up, it says, thus saith the Lord to you, Joseph, and Sidney, and Hiram, and your counselors, and Edward Partridge, and my faithful servants who are of the high council of my church in Zion, for thus shall it be called. 
Okay, so the first church he named was the church in Zion, for thus shall it be called. And unto all the elders and people of my church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints scattered abroad in the world, for thus shall my church be called in the last days, even the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Verily I say unto you, all arise. And so you have two churches that are named. Which section are you in? 115. And people will say, well, it says, thus shall it be called in the, in the latter days. But that's the, the one scattered abroad in the world. That's not the one at, at the Church of Zion, right? That's... <laughs> right, the, the, language of, the, the language here is arguable. It's not necessarily... Uh, but often we also we hear that the church, the institutional church today is Zion. They're one and the same, just like Elder Hamilton says, the church today and Jesus Christ are inseparably joined. That That's, again, I'm kind of just, this is what we're taught, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess here's, maybe we get to the, the cut to the core here. The bottom line is what, if somebody has questions about this stuff and they don't feel like the answers are satisfactory, what does that person do in that situation? Well, you shut up. Well, but what do they do to find, and maybe, maybe neither of us are in position. You to, can come to, into Christ or you can come <laughs> to, into church. To answer that question. Well, you can come into Christ. You can find your answers in Christ, right? You can find your answers by diligent study of the scriptures, by working this stuff out. And um, you, can get, you can get answers, but if you, don't, if you don't believe those answers because they're in opposition to what you're hearing from the authorities, that's difficult. Like the vaccine thing. I mean, that's the, that's the big daddy one right now. It really is. And I, I think that the one about... Uh, you know, all ri- individual rights being reasonably restricted. Did he say reasonably? Because there's no reasonable restriction on... Yeah, during extraordinary natural... circumstances. Yeah. That was a church email. It was an unsigned email. But but the language in it is very similar to the vaccine letter and other sort of certain speakers and, yeah. and ideas. See, this would be called by some steadying the ark. This is not steadying the ark. I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying I'm steadying the ark, okay? Right. I'm saying the church is not what you think it is. That's not steadying the ark. If we were to look at the... I, um, I think if we were to look at the original revelation, and I'll try to find this here in the Joseph Smith papers, but I'm not sure all of these words are actually capitalized. They might be when it says, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Then it goes on and talks about gathering to the land of Zion and having her stakes be for a defense. You know, we, the context 150 years ago is, is, is that it's an institutional church, right? Right. But the context in 1829 was it was the ecclesia. And we know that people are... Re- have routinely been killed over this issue. This is the, the one, don't touch this issue. That's why I worry about us doing this podcast here, is this is the issue that got William Tyndale killed. He didn't want to translate the word ecclesia into the English church. Mm-hmm. He wanted to translate it as congregation or okay. body of believers or right. something like that. 
institutions don't like that. Why don't they like it? Well, it changes the narrative. <laughs> it changes the, you, you, you know. Is that why, uh, I think that can be applied to, say, governments, right? Governments, in theory, governments are a group of people, right? They're represent, representatives from the general population that go and work in a unified way, again, in theory, yeah, they're supposed behalf, to be part of the people. On behalf of the people they represent. Right. But now the government has become an entity, an institution unto itself, full of unelected, unaccountable, unknown bureaucrats who have who work in departments and in offices and in places unknown mm-hmm. to most people. That's kind of what we call the deep state, right? You're not dealing with people, you're dealing with a system. You're dealing right. with uh, a, a machine, a mechanism here. Right. A machine that nowadays is is the largest employer in the United States. Mm-hmm. The D.C. area has for a long time, and someone could fact check me on this, but it has been either the fastest growing or one of the fastest growing places in the country. Right. Because people are coming there to work for the government. You go back east into the D.C. area, which bleeds into Maryland and down into Virginia. Every other person you meet works for the government in some capacity, the federal government. And so it's become an institution rather than a, uh, a body of representatives. I don't think that the founders ever envisioned the federal government becoming the largest employer in the nation. They're rolling over in their graves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I think that's a, it's a natural sort of byproduct of entropy that these things, because I would, I would count this institutionalization of everything a form of decay. It is. A form of, uh, of, yeah, entropy. It's 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 chaos. It's funny because institutions they pride themselves on law and order and hierarchy and rules, but it's really just chaos. It's 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 this decaying into nothing, into dust of the original principles that those things were founded on are decaying into mm-hmm. dust and, and falling to pieces. Yeah. And I think we can see that if we look at the uh, processes that have led to the current iteration or the or the current form of the institution that is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I mean, it started out as the Church of Christ, mm-hmm. and it was then the Church of the Latter-day Saints. And then in 1838, they began calling it the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints as as an institution, but it was not actually structured the way that we we look at it today you had a separation between the relief society which was independent and the priesthood which was independent and more regional regionally oriented and then you had the church itself as a group and these things were not really consolidated until the mid 1900s fully Right, I think Hebrew J. Grant era was definitely, so that's the 1920s, definitely consolidation going on there. Well, I think we've lived through sort of the 
just recently, maybe the last 10 to 15 years, we've witnessed and lived through the finalization of that centralization. That was a lot of Asians. Yeah, I think you're right. When recently we had, uh, you know, you remember when, when we were kids, and we've sort of lamented this, and I know we look back with nostalgia and rose tinted goggles and all that, but sure. wards were much more independent. Well, and stakes were much more independent. Do you remember from, budget meetings? From from the church in Salt Lake. Yeah, budget meetings. It you, was hard for, I remember our parents struggling with that. Like, we got to right. give money to the, for the budget. But they were in charge of their own buildings and their own right. electric bills and stuff like that. And, and for, for better or worse, right, there's, there's some advantages you to... Could, you could have a super Centralizing activity. that. Right. You had road shows. You had uh, softball leagues. You had basketball leagues. You had... And but it wars, was sort of at the, at the uh, instigation of the local people, not... And it, and it caught right. on. You know, it would catch on. Like, there used to be a huge church-wide basketball tournament in the 60s, 50s. Well, I remember and, going to... Going to church basketball tournaments like that were regional where, where we were down at BYU, you know, playing yeah, we used to other, other champion, when we were kids. Cha- you know, ward and stake champions type yeah. of a thing. And it was, and where I'm getting at is, is different wards and stakes had, had an identity. They, they felt a unification. I, I'm growing up in the eighties if you saw someone in the community that was from your stake, you generally, you at least recognize them. Oh, he's in my stake. Yeah, we played basketball or we were at the yeah. thus and such together. Right, we went to the... Do they, they still do stake dances? Yes, but they're more rare, I think. Really? Um, we'd, we'd have those big region dances. Right. That was a big deal. And, and then you'd go hopping <clears throat> down to some other place yeah, let's go. Let's go. I hear. I hear, I hear there's a dance. I hear there's over, a better dance down the way. They're playing better music. Or it's it's. Or the girl I like from school is in that state. Yeah, I, don't, I wonder if maybe she'll be there. Or you but, just go go into a whole different city just because you're looking for right interesting stuff. It, it, you know, we we I remember going to Stake Lagoon Day, which Lagoon is a local uh, amusement, amusement park, park. and yeah. and there was this identity right and that's sort of been stripped away and and along with it the the pioneer pageants are gone well the church advocates would say that we're a worldwide church what do you say to that <clears throat> i i would say that we have congregations throughout the world and, and i think i think there's some benefit to to knowing you're going to go to a ward in wherever in Hawaii, in Hawaii or Brazil or Canada or Florida, and, and you get the same lesson. Well, <laughs> not necessarily the same lesson, but there's. I think there's some knowing that you're with a group of like-minded believers and that you are in a safe place. And I use that not in the woke modern terminology, right, right. but a place to discuss the issues of of our doctrine and our beliefs. I think that's great. Or the current issues of the day. And there used to be, and maybe there still is, a camaraderie there. And knowing that, you know, I'm in a foreign land, but here I am among friends. See, a lot of people... Uh, I the remember, body of Christ, the body of believers. I, I remember a lot of people will, will come to... Uh, come back from a vacation and they'll bear their testimony. Isn't it wonderful that it's the same church everywhere? And I, I used to think that's great, but 
I feel like we lost something, you know, because what what about our cultural diversity? Shouldn't shouldn't they be right. able? It, shouldn't Christ's church, his body of believers, be able to be culturally independent and um, have a, a different form of uh, weekly worship, similar but different? You know, that doesn't have to be. So like what, the way we've, we've, we've standardized everything. I mean, okay. a worldwide church doesn't have to be what it looks like. This is just, this is right. just the way that it, de- it devolved uh, and, I, and, and it could I, be more rich is what I'm saying. So I think this term worldwide church means something different to whoever hears the church or hears, hears the phrase. It's kind of like the phrase good global citizens, which we, we we were, hammered with for a short time there i haven't heard it for a bit but we heard it a lot there for well but yeah you need to get your vaccine and and wear your mask and social distance and lockdown well, so you can be good, a good global citizen good global citizens do that and that term global citizen is very loaded uh, just look at the the way that the you know the ngos of the world the unelected unaccountable well it's a clear propaganda bureaucrats use program. that term there's even an, its own website out there I think it's good global citizen or global citizen dot. Yeah, and they were having concerts and all kinds of things. Global right. citizen, try, right. trying to amp people up. And this is why they, you know, movies like Independence Day can be considered propaganda because it's all about the world coming together against this threat, you know? Right. And we, we need to think in terms of not nations anymore, but. Uh, we're a, a world force that you know, to 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 combat right. the higher the higher uh, problems like climate change, for example. It's well, a global problem, and that's what you have this this push of entities that we've talked a lot about the UN and and you know UN. What does that stand for? United Nations, right? right. They mean that literally. United Federation of Planets. As if they mean it in the same way that we use United States, meaning a what used to be a group of independent nation states yeah. under the banner of, of a constitution working together. Now it's like the states are, are subjects to the federal crown. Right. That's what they envision for all nation states, right? Yeah, they're the working United very hard nations. to do that. And, and they're, not, they're not bashful about that. They no. want a world government. They want total control. We've talked a lot about that. Yeah. But some people might be saying, yeah, but you're talking about, you know, nostalgia and, and culture, right? When you talk about roadshows and independent wards. And, sure. And we are. We are. And nothing was perfect back then either. But I think this, it's the idea of centralization. And, well, I and think that, it was more vibrant. <clears throat> I think there's a good argument to be made that things were far more vibrant. Well, there used to be this idea, right? This Like living. Peculiar people. A royal priesthood, right? When's right. the last time you heard those phrases? 1992 Youth Conference? I don't know. <laughs> that was the title of the Youth Conference. <laughs> right. And, and Chosen we, Generation, we, we were, Royal Priesthood. We were peculiar, and it seems now the, the more of the, uh, the, the push is to fit in and to be, say, we're good global citizens just like, just like you are, and we're a global worldwide faith with a global faith leader just like the Pope and just like you know, uh, uh, whoever, 
And that's why now we have, you know, we, you know, our leaders go around and who do they meet with? They meet with government leaders and ambassadors and they give a speech or a sermon to a crowd and then they, they get whisked away. <clears throat> so yeah, the centraliz- centralization of anything usually leads to a depersonalization and a less vibrant culture. Well, and a big bureaucracy. Massive bureaucracies. Yeah. Well, but that that's where the institutionalization idea ends up taking you. It's like, we need something because this has got to be bigger than any one person. But then, can an institution remain true to the original charisma, the original... Um, mission? Mission or... or charge. <laughs> charge. And that's why I think it's important to bring up section 10... Before all this happened, God defines the church as those who repent and come unto him. That is ultra-significant. The significance of that cannot be understated. So, so you might have an institution, like a legal institution, but it's, it's still, there's still a difference between that and God's people, between that and the, the true ecclesia. Well, what you, if you accept that, then you have to accept that there are people who might be opposed, who might have different opinions. Well, that, and also accept that there are people who are not under the umbrella of the institutional church, who are not Mormons or not LDS, who are members of the Church of God, of the Lamb, who are members who are members in the kingdom of God. Right? I think. They, I think the problem is that the the. Uh, <laughs> The hierarchy is going to want to somehow pitch this idea that well, but if you get if you get kicked out of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, you can't be in that group, or which, if you haven't joined it. Yeah, well, no, well, I think you, they were. I think they're willing to say if you haven't joined it yet, you can be part of the Church of the Lamb. But if, if you, you get kicked out, right, of this church, you can't be part of the Church of the Lamb because you you got kicked out by us. It's the no true. Irishman, Scotsman, <laughs> Scotsman fallacy, right? No true Scotsman would do such a thing. No true follower of Christ would, would do such a thing as get kicked out. And also, only if you invert it, only true followers of Christ will join the church. No, I'm glad you brought that up. You that's... have to be a true follower, because being a, being a member makes you a true follower. That's a good, that's a good point. That is a very apt but if you accept that there are people outside of the church who may be members of the church of god then you also maybe accept that among those people there are prophets and apostles who the lord is speaking to can we not accept that if if that premise on that present depends on how you define premise. prophet and apostle well right and that's another for us those are offices other, in the church that's a whole other discussion right yeah if we're going by form and function, then a prophet is someone who speaks out and warns. And so guys like Matt Taibbi, Taibbi mm-hmm. the Twitter files guys, those guys are prophets in the wilderness, literally. I mean, those, those guys right. that have been... Jordan Peterson. Yeah. I mean, they may not be um, literally evangelizing for a biblical message, but they're telling the truth. And he, right. is, he, the Lord, is, claims the title Spirit of Truth. So when you have these prophets speaking the truth, trying to get people to change their hearts and minds, to repent and come unto the truth, I mean, that's, in a lot of ways, that's a more powerful 
idea than come to church to have the sacrament. I mean, it's very, very much more powerful. I don't know how you can argue that. That yeah. That well, it's, if if the truth, the question is this: Does the truth? Does God give people? Do you get to declare what truth is by virtue of your perceived authority, or does truth carry its own authority? That's the question. Well, Jesus says he is the truth. Right, and, and Joseph is on record saying that Mormonism is all truth, right? So you, Joseph gives us permission in multiple places to embrace whatever truth we may find, no matter where we find it, right? Right. And that's, that's I guess, the crux of the issue is, you know, what Elder Hamilton is saying is that this this unanimous declaration will not deviate from the truth. Or he's saying, by declaring something unanimously, it becomes truth. That's the question, isn't it? Right, and I because I don't both, think he would. I don't think he would like you to say it that way. But I, that's how he said it. You're right. You're so, right. I mean, but okay. So that would be a good point to clarify. Is that what they're like? If if, <laughs> if we were in a a court of love here, that would be the question. So you're saying that they get to say what truth is. I mean, that's what they're saying. That's, that's what that's you're saying. That's how I'm saying. reading his statements. I mean, I'm I'm reminded of your your girlfriend, uh, your your political girlfriend, Yasinda. I'm vomiting. Ardern, the former. The... I don't know how it got to be my girlfriend. You're the one that talks about her all the time. <laughs> but she said, unironically, you know, we are your single source of truth. And Elder Hamilton is kind of saying the same thing. He's just using church lingo to say it. When there is only no, you're right. there's only one source of actual pure truth. And he has declared himself as the truth. And see, this is why I worry about maybe we should record a different podcast because this is dangerous territory. If you say those things, and I agree with you, Bobby Flood, I will stand with you at the firing squad. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but that's the problem is that those you cannot say that, can you? Well, that's why I always... Are we kinda, testing the, the fence here? I, I don't think so. Again, I come back to that. These are the kind of conversations that we should be having in church, the, openly. The problem is then you, you end up with the, the somebody who, like myself who's going to say, well, that vaccine letter was a mistake. Or... Yeah. and that's, not, not, uh, not, not a mistake, but an unfortunate, uh, not just a gaffe, but wrong. It's, it, that was not cool, guys. Not cool. Right. And, and what's wrong with saying that? Well, that means that you're, uh, you're antichrist, is what <laughs> Hamilton said, is that you can substitute the church for right. Christ so what, in that so, case. So because so, I'm opposed to the vaccine letter, I am antichrist, is what he would say. That's right. what that's what he would say. Right, and that's why we're having this conversation. Because I don't, the church should have totally stayed out of it. That, can we? Can I say that and, and not get in trouble to say the church should have stayed out of the vaccine issue? No, because I think that's a legitimate. Well, opinion. you you're giving me opinion. Uh, you're giving me right. You're giving me uh, permission, but you're not the one that can give me permission. Right. I I see what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. Because. It's no longer the uh, at least the way the the, well, the way that LDS Church operates. It's not just coming unto Him, repenting and coming unto Him that qualifies you for membership in that church. There are other people who get to say whether you get to have your name on the records, whether you get to hold office, whether you get to 
say a prayer, whether whether right. you're whether you are persona non grata or whether you're allowed to speak in the meetings. This is, you know, whether your ideas are dangerous. And you know, we're not talking about. It used to be that if you were going to bring up the the attacks on Joseph Smith, you know, the 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 Tanners, whoever, that was the type of thing that's going to get you. Next, mm-hmm. now, now we're talking about the rubber has met the road here in a very real way for people. There are there are people who were vaccine injured. There must be people out there who took that vaccine because the prophet told them to. And yeah. you can argue that he didn't. You can argue that he didn't. I don't know how you can, but but there are people that have literal physical harm well, because of that. The official church letterhead signed. By the first presidency statement, said we urge you to take this safe and effective vaccine. It is the only way to stop the ravages of the you're, pandemic. You're paraphrasing. I'm a little pa- bit, paraphrasing but, because but, I know people who would argue that there was a there was some legalese in there that said consult your medical professionals and uh, said, and do what you think is right yeah, or whatever. It, it's the same letter that said, oh, you know, listen to the wise and thoughtful government leaders and and there's that little caveat well who's the wise and thoughtful government leaders well it ominously depended on your political affiliation of what you thought was wise and thoughtful so yeah there but i think there's like we you would get a lot of pushback in a legalistic type of a way well you and i both would for what we just said yeah, but that would be if if somebody was trying to sue the church, yeah, I think the they'd have a hard time. Right, the, the rank-and-file people didn't hear that. That's what we're trying to point out, is that the, this is not— they, uh, they, they saw President Nelson get the vaccine, theoretically, wear the mask. They saw them social distance. They saw them go through the whole rigmarole. I mean, actions speak louder than words, guys. Oh, yeah. There's no question that the church was pro-COVID vaccine, and— Still is, right? Still is. And as far as I know, still requires it of foreign-serving missionaries, meaning if you're from the United States and you're called to wherever outside the United States. You get the COVID States, vaccine? As of March 22, March 2022, that was still the case. I, I don't know if it is or isn't it, if it's not still, but... But I, I but, think but, there are, are people that would argue that it wasn't a mistake that the vaccine is still good. That's the like like uh, people in our stake. I, I I'm thinking of people that are higher up that would say, well, you can't say that because you're wrong. Of course there are, but there are also a lot of people who had a lot of problems with the letter, just the letter, not yeah. even vaccine injured, but who had real problems with that. Again, and I go back to what I said earlier. These aren't agitators. These aren't people who are looking for some excuse to get kicked out or to leave. They're sincere, honest people. They're people who still serve and go to church every week. They're still people who... Well, it's easier to not talk about it. It's but easy, some of it's these easy people, to, I think a lot of people have faded away. I think that's one of the big reasons yeah. why activity has I think you're, I think you're, you're, you're right. But some of these people that I know personally did talk about it. Two bishops, two leadership. state presidents, and leadership, and and amongst themselves as, uh, uh, as well, it was a big deal, and, and and it's something that I think everyone, both in and outside of church situations, government situations, the, the press, they're all just hoping it fades away. You're already seeing some revisionist history about who was pro lockdown and who wasn't, and you know you're going to see a lot of that. I think as the 
presidential election cycle starts to ramp up here later this year. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. going to be a nightmare. Well, it has to, it's always, the, the next election cycle always starts right after the, the last one finishes. It's like right. we're in a constant election cycle in America. Well, you, it's such already, a sad state of affairs. You've already got Trump saying he's running in 24, and you've already got him out there saying that he saved 100 million lives with the vaccine. Really? Which is a ridiculous... That's a disaster statement uh, for his base. And an unprovable statement. You, you can't prove that the vaccine saved a single life. Well, and that's how they were able to get Trump, is that he just was full of hyperbole. Right. You know, and so pretty much anything... <laughs> <laughs> like if you're if you're the president of the United States, imagine how careful you really would have to be if you're going to be an effective, well thought of president. You you can't say anything, right? With, gonna, I guess that's that's an argument for why the church acts the way it acts on a lot of issues. They can't well, one, say anything because they're going to get attacked. But, but one the, one thing I've seen, and, and this is an argument I've seen made in a lot of different from a lot of different angles, and I, I can understand it. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I can understand it. They, they, the, the argument goes something like this. The church is doing what it's doing because it's a global church, a worldwide church that operates under dozens of different regulations and rules and governments and laws. Mm -hmm. And in order to have congregations there and buildings and to send missionaries there and to build a temple there, they have to go along to get along. They have to make sure that that they they go along with the the covid narrative because otherwise they couldn't have a temple in x or send missionaries to y and so they have to play this balancing game of uh you know global diplomacy and they can't mm -hmm. just be agitators they can't say they can't side with dr malone because then they wouldn't be able to send missionaries out or they can't yeah, say but they any... didn't side with dr malone they sided with the other side right and and that's the counter argument is it they didn't they they could have, and I don't think anybody would have faulted them a whole lot if they had just sort of done their best to stay neutral on all of this. Right. And maybe said, you know what, we we disagree, but we have to play along. They could say, well, individuals, you know, you, you run a risk not following the law, but we're not going to take a side here. Yeah. Or, you, you consult the scriptures, you consult the Lord. They could They could have said that along with, you you make you know consult the lord consult consider, the consider your the personal scriptures. jurisdiction consider where you actually live and what the consequences right. are and consult the lord and we're not going to be upset if you choose to do something we disagree with because we realize this is a difficult situation uh, you know but they, vote your conscience right is that your, usually the way it goes yeah vote your conscience and 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 exercise your you know, exercise your rights wherever you live in a peaceful, lawful manner. They could have said something along those lines. And then when it came to the vaccine, they could have said, consult your doctor. Yeah, but that, that's an easy thing to do. They do that all the time. Follow the law, blah, 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 blah. Right. But the problem here was that the laws, well, there was they, a lot of color law. There was, there was a lot of health, what do we call it? The, the um, health department overreach. Most of the COVID stuff was, was never codified into law it was just rules and and decrees and you know and then if you lived in a red bullying. state your your legislature came back and lessened the, the right. severity of your but see they didn't just of the restrictions the church didn't just go along to get along they went above and beyond in many cases i mean we let's not forget that they they 
instituted, though maybe didn't enforce, vaccine passports to visit Temple Square at Christmas time. They had things closed down longer than the governments required. They they pushed the ma- the masks more than the governments required. They they released that vaccine letter in August 2021, which was, you know, eight to nine months after the vaccine had been made public and kind of after the initial hubbubaloo. And I think President Nelson's literal godsend statement was in May or June of that year. It was earlier. But a lot of the vaccine rhetoric had evened out a little bit on both the pro and the there was no reason anti. to release it, is what you're saying. It and it came out of nowhere, right? It came out of nowhere, and, and it was such a head-scratcher. Like, what, what is this? And it, it really blew some people's minds. I think the mask thing was like the, kind of similar. It came a little sooner, but... Well, and the equivalence of wearing a mask to being Christ-like was... Clear. Clearly <laughs> stated. Clearly, yeah. Elder Renland, Renland said that. On video, but it tape, was very blat- blatant and blunt, and and again, it was over the top. It was taking things so far. It was like the the CDC or whoever it was was recommending a mask in the early summer, right in uh, 2020, and that after they had recommended not to wear masks, don't get a mask because you right. need the healthcare workers to have them. And then and Fauci even saying it doesn't do you any good in a mass massive public situation. Yeah, and then. So then, so then it was like there was a couple of months there where it, it became clear that the Utah Mormons weren't going along with the that in mass, and then you get this campaign that you need to wear a mask. Yeah, there were weeks, several weeks. I should say there were several every other weeks because at the time we were permitted to go to church every other week after the the uh, you know the Zoom or the home churches, which I really enjoyed. <laughs> But there were days in sacramenting where I was the only person in the entire room without a mask. And credit to my neighbors and ward members, nobody made an issue of it. And I don't know if uh, they wanted to. I don't know. But I still feel like I have good friendships in in the ward now that, of course, nobody's wearing them. Nobody's wearing them anywhere. I recently traveled internationally, as we talked about, a couple episodes. And, and you know what? Less than 1% of the people out there at airports and wherever are wearing the masks. It's just, you just don't see them. And I always think that's funny because, well, what changed? Well, the only thing that changed was the rhetoric, right? Some people could say, no, the vaccine. The vaccine changed it. Well, we know the vaccine doesn't prevent anything. It doesn't prevent it? It doesn't lessen the symptoms. Well, they say it lessens the symptoms. But that's you can't, unprovable. That's unprovable. They, it doesn't prevent transmission, and it doesn't prevent you from getting it. We know that's admitted. Even, even Bill Gates is out there admitting their failure. Now, I think he's doing so not in an alarmist way. I think he's saying, this just means we need to get more funding for more, more vaccines, better yeah. vaccines. And he's warning of the next pandemic, yeah. which is going to be uh, more deadly, which scares it me could. to death it because could. you have to take these people at their word. Well, plus the, the Project Veritas revelations that uh, Pfizer's been engaging in gain-of-function. I don't. I guess they technically they're not gain-of-function well, research, it's, but it's... They call it, what they call it, determine something, gene determining, I, I don't know. mutating the virus. And there's some, you know, a lot of people that... 
that, that was a remarkable gain of function. Supposedly means trying to get it from jump to jump from uh, animals to humans or something. There's some right. sort of a link there. But what it brings up, see, that was a remarkable. So they're taking something that's already infecting humans and they're making it worse. That was a remarkable sting. And the follow up, I don't know if you saw the follow up where, uh, what's the guy's name? James O'Keefe. O'Keefe revealed himself to the to the uh, Pfizer employee and he loses his mind and tries to accost them and oh, walk yeah, and them he starts into telling, a restaurant. He starts saying, well, I was lying to I impress. I was lying to impress on a date and everybody lies like that and, and then he, he loses his mind. Is this a date with a man or a woman? It was with a man and, and I don't know if that person... It was a guy. Yeah. So he's dating a guy? I don't know. Yeah, I guess. And maybe he's gay and I don't know. It's kind of irrelevant to the to the sting, but it just seems like par for the course. But it's it's all is it's bizarre and it's eye-opening and if it's legit, if it's true, then then it's reasonable to think that Pfizer may have had a hand in the gain of function research that led to SARS-CoV-2 knowing that they were creating a problem that they would sell the solution to. I mean, it can go deep if you want to go there. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's actually not even that deep, the way that Pfizer's acted. And of course you have, you know, we talked about the journalist uh, talking to Albert Bourla, the CEO of Pfizer. At the very least, at the very least, he should be sitting in front of congressional panels in multiple nations, probably, <laughs> if not like a, a, a tribunal at, at the at the hog or something, right? Like, this is a big deal. There's him, him, and, and others. Remember Moderna, Moderna? They're the they're the other big vaccine producer, along with AstraZeneca, J and J. A lot of people forget that they had one. They've been mm-hmm. memory hold. Mm-hmm. Moderna was a company that up until the COVID vaccine had never successfully brought a product to market. They were over and suddenly they create this out of nowhere. Now their name, Moderna, you know, it's interesting. Their stock uh, ticker is MRNA. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I, you know, they, that's the, been the basis of their company is these different kinds of technologies, is MRNA, RNA technologies, which I don't understand. I have a very rudimentary understanding. And, but the larger point is these guys, this vaccine came out of nowhere. Let's not forget uh, Elder Hutchins, who gave the interview. The Pfizer exec? The Pfizer exec I don't slash remember what, that's 70. Been, I think that's his, been memory hold, right? Do we have a copy uh, of that somewhere? Yeah, yeah. I think his name was Richard Hutchins, who gave a, a, an interview to Meridian Magazine, which is an I'll, LDS-affiliated I'll look for that and see if we can find it. There's, been, there's an archived version somewhere, but he came out early. He said in like July, in Nov- July 2020. Oh, July? Okay. July 2021. July 2021, he said, we're doing great things at Pfizer. There's going to be a vaccine available in November. I thought it was July of 2020. When when did the vaccine come out? Oh yeah, you're right. It was early 2021. You're right. July and 2020. And the problem was this this was all leading up to the election and Trump wanted right. to take credit for it and July ends up July 2020 he said the vaccine will be available in November. And kind of conflated his you know his corporate job with his church job and yeah. and 
That article lasted a couple of days on the internet and then it was scrubbed. Luckily, it was archived. Very much there are also people who grabbed screenshots and who copied and pasted. And it's kind of been memory hold. I don't know if he was. But he was I, opining on, you know, the, the vaccine. He's got his Pfizer hat and he's got his uh, church. His yeah, he even uses 70 that phrase. Hat Let me put something. my 70 hat on and yeah, say and how it's inspired like, oh, this is. This, such is. A, this is such a godsend. Now, at the, at the very base level, Okay, you have a ch- you have a high-ranking church official who is also a high-ish mid-ranking Pfizer official who knows things that are privy to people in that position at Pfizer going public with them who again remember he's a high-ish ranking member of the church the church holds stock in Pfizer this was a, at the very least, this was a, a probably a, 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 an instance of insider trading or, <laughs> because here he's saying, this is going, we have the solution to this. It's coming out in problem. November, yeah. We have a solution to this enormous problem, which at, at that time, everyone was treating, it was the only thing in the news other than George Floyd. Well, it's the way you get your life back. It's safe. It's effective. They were it's already pre- how you get your life. Back. They were that was pre- the official messaging it already. Like there's going to be a vaccine, and that's how we're going to fix this. It's safe. It's effective. It's how you get your life back. Was and I believe still is the official slogan of the Utah Coronavirus Task Force. It's how you get your life back. That's a threat. <laughs> but yeah, so he comes out and he he makes these these statements, and quickly it's. It's uh, scrubbed. I don't know, and I don't know that we'll ever know who scrubbed it. My guess is it would have been Pfizer. Somebody, somebody at Pfizer found that and said, "This, get this off of the internet." Of course, it was too late. The official headline on coronavirus.utah.gov is "Boosted is better. Schedule your updated COVID shot." Yeah, they've been running an ad campaign for some time. Like, stay up to date with your immunizations and health checkups. They've compared the boosters to like charging a battery. They've had these ridiculous ads. Booster like doses are available. Something for anyone ages five and over. Like ice cream, and then ice cream boosted, and it's got chocolate sauce and mm-hmm. sprinkles and garbage like that. So they're still, uh, although they post less frequent. Frequently, they're still just pushing this this inane nonsense. Well, I think the money has kind of run out. They they haven't allocated all the emergency, or they they they've run out of the allocated emergency money. Which was the big, the big thing was that there was the economic crash, and then Congress gets all scared, and then they throw all kinds of money at the problem. And the money goes to the wrong people who promote these messages, and that was the whole goal in the first place: is to get them all the money so that they can then use that against us in a mind war. Right. And uh, it wasn't working so well, so it appears that uh, colleagues from the private-public partnership had to be called up. Right. That's what it looks like. I mean, why the, why would the church come in late on the masks? Why did they come in late on, <clears throat> well, the, and, and, on the vaccines? It's because the, the populace isn't going along and, with and it. And that's not even a, a, a secret or a conspiracy theory. It's, you know, Sharon Eubanks on record saying, we can, we can, as, posi- as she's talking to other religious people, leaders, we can use our influence to convince our congregations to take the vaccine. That's not a direct quote, that's a paraphrase, but she said that. You think you can find that? Are we going to be able to I, link I, to that? I want to say it has something to do with Stanford University 
something or other, but we could find it unless it's been scrubbed. But we'll, we'll then, look for but, it. We but, can't uh, guarantee, but the, the, these are things we were reading in real time. But Elder Bednar said the same time, kind of the same thing. We can, we can convince our, our congregations to, to take this vaccine. They trust us. Uh, and, and which I found a, a, a giant breach of, of trust, but that well, was, I mean, if you uh, be, if you believe that they that they are little literal godsend and that the vaccines do what they do, or the, the the vaccines do what they say they do, meaning stop transmission and stop you from getting the disease, if you if you believe that, which has been there's a, there's a lot of this is so much money the the amount of money spent to protect that idea over the last 20 to 30 years is astronomical. It's been spent by governments. It's been spent by uh, these pharmaceutical companies and they've even gotten the laws passed that protect them from immune, that make them immune from legal uh, liability because it's, they've been able to get people to believe that that's, that the vaccines are that effective and that's safe, right? That they really do what they say they're doing. And here we have, uh, a situation where the vaccine was rushed to market for a disease that's arguably not as dangerous as measles or mumps or whatever, you know, it's just, it's just not statistically wasn't that big of a deal. And it gets rushed to market. It gets approved under the emergency authorization, which it's still uh, operating under thing, which, so the standards are all lowered. And then it turns out it doesn't stop transmission and it doesn't stop you from catching it. And it's really hard to know or prove if it even reduces symptoms because let's remember, we went a whole year of SARS-CoV-2 spreading throughout the population. And everybody's now, not A year that we know of. Not everybody, but a lot of people are now dying suddenly, especially athletes in high profile ways. Right. So, so we don't, so we don't, uh, I mean, the, the big question is, can we, can we talk in this manner without repercussion? Is it, or do we have a free enough... Do we even have an ecclesia? Do we have a free enough organization that we can speak freely in this manner, considering the facts? Right. I suppose we'll find out. I guess, I guess we'll find out. But we went a whole year of, of SARS-CoV-2 spreading throughout the population and the, you know, with, with uh, relatively low mortality, especially when you consider those who were dying with COVID were already sick with, uh, and old and frail with no vaccine, right? The vaccine really didn't change anything. Well, other average, than it made, maybe, maybe it's leading to or contributing to excess death and died suddenly. The, speaking of, we, we mentioned Damar Hamlin. He, he released a Instagram video, which he, did he? Thanks, people, but it's it's cut up, right? Mm-hmm. And is I, he lying in a hospital bed? No, he, he looks perfectly he looks fine. Good. Okay, which is a little bit odd because again, this was a quite a traumatic thing he went to went through just recently. Mm-hmm. But it's very generic. It isn't specific. It's hard to oh, know so like when it could this, have been this this. Look again, I'm putting the tinfoil hat on. This could have been something that he recorded uh, that was never used as for his foundation, right? You know, he had a foundation before he collapsed. It's hard to know. And there's other people saying it's deep fake and this and that. I don't know. 
all that I do know is that I'm skeptical of everything right now. We had uh, we had some of our friends chime in on the on the podcast page last week. By the way, thanks guys for coming and and uh, commenting. You had uh, TBM and and Bobby going at it over Fallout seventy six a little bit. Yeah, and... I, I understand completely his uh, concerns, and I, <laughs> I you know the game has improved over the years. You had I play the radio chime in with some uh, some fun quotes. Doctor Nick is back. Uh, hey everybody! Mentioning that uh, it looks like. Um, Project Veritas released one of those hidden camera videos that confirms we are now living in the documentary Mission Impossible 2. (laughs) (laughs) Funny. Yeah. uh, TBM links us to uh, a BuzzFeed article or uh, no, a Wall Street Journal article talking about BuzzFeed using uh, ChatGPT to create its content. Yeah, they're new. Did you hear? I've got an idea for their new, BuzzFeed's new slogan. For NPCs, by NPCs. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's good. So uh, Les Les is back on the comments page. Thanks for commenting, Les. He gave it, he gave some predictions. If you want to read those, and you hear the chat uh, GPT, whatever it's called, is is passing like bar exams and medical exams. Oh yeah, it's, yeah. I I really I've said on this podcast, and I'll reiterate it. I think that deep fakes, and I'll add AI, I are going to lead to some destruction, some real wars. Well, I, I mean, think we're uh, headed for war anyway. Well, we are, <laughs> but uh, right now, all you need is like a deep fake of Putin announcing that he's dropped nukes or something. Yeah, and then anybody who wants to drop the nuke can drop it. Release this deep fake. I mean, remember the Queen's deep fake. So you, so you nuke, you nuke Kiev or something like that. You're the West. You're the West. You nuke Kiev, and then you have a deep fake ready where Putin takes credit for it, and Putin's over there in Russia going, "What the crap? I never did it." You know. He yeah. releases a competing, a competing video saying that, and then, he, and he then that's the one that's called deep fake. And they call that the deep fake. Yeah, remember that the queen. And we're at war, and it's the, too late because all the nukes are going off. The queen's deep fake. If if you didn't know that was a deep fake, you would not ever know. Look at what they've done with the, the technology in movies like Star Wars, where they have young Carrie Fisher and I even think, the deceased Carrie Fisher carrying on her role for a time. The you know the. It's all you got to do is watch the movies, the sci-fi movies, Avatar, any of them, just to see how realistic that stuff is. Right. There's, there's just no way that you should believe that it's not possible for them uh, to pull something. It's like that completely off. possible, and they yeah. they pull it off all the time, right in front of our eyes. Yeah. We just suspend our disbelief because we're watching the movies. We we know it's fake, right? right? So it's like, well, yeah, it was pretty good, but I would never be fooled by, you know, <laughs> who knows how much we've already been fooled. You know. Exactly. Well, it's TBM a, chimed in with some other okay predictions too. Anyway, I, I recommend going and checking that out. Thanks, guys, for commenting. We do appreciate the comments. I uh, uh, I want to wrap up. It's been a good discussion. I think it's a fair discussion. I don't I don't think there's any call for alarm or anything. I think this has been a fair and honest. Fair well, and what, balanced. What, what would you say to somebody who who says this is this is grounds for your the termination of your church membership or for uh, discipline, or uh, you should take this podcast offline, you know, cause that's usually what happens is they say, stop talking, stop talking about this. I right. Mean, right. That's happened to people that we've, we've heard about. And, uh, and I would, I would, 
I would say that the best solution for issues like this is to keep talking, to have a dialogue, to meet together, and to reason one with another. And it's okay to have disagreements and to see things differently, especially when you consider that if all parties involved are sincere and are trying to find the truth. I know there are people out there who are agitators and who are looking for reasons to mock and to to uh, lead astray, so to speak. I don't think we're those people. I think we're... Sure, but what do you say? I mean, the, the thing is, the, just the reality is that based on what has been laid out, and that's what we're talking about, is that, you know... You are gonna. You are going antichrist or opposing Christ if you will not do what we say. Mm-hmm. And so, if somebody doesn't like what we've said here, they will. They will make that argument, and then we. Then we have a decision to make. Do we? Do we remove this podcast? Do we just tell them, well, everybody's already listened to it. That's going to listen to it, so don't worry about it. And then they say, well, as a condition of continued membership, or if you don't want to be disciplined, you're going to have to remove the podcast. I mean, that's what. That's what I've definitely heard has happened. Is you get an right. ultimatum. Right. You get an ultimatum and then you you have to take the action that they require or you're out. Yeah, I, or I, you're disciplined. I think we're I mean is that I maybe I'm naive. I think we're a long way from anything like that happening. But I that 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 would be something that Why? Because you're questioning you're questioning the possibility here, which sure. is the main tenant of control, the main tenant sure. of the the claim to exclusivity right which is that you substitute well, a church I, for christ essentially I, I, I think we've made a, a pretty had a pretty good discussion about what why that that is a controversial or arguable statement that by our own uh, doctrine by our own sure, scriptures but, uh, by well our, yeah, by, yeah by the prophet joseph's words right i think i want to end by going back to dnc 115 um the Lord says in verse 5, Verily I say unto you all, Arise and shine forth, that thy light may be a standard for the nations, and that the gathering together upon the land of Zion and upon her stakes may be for a defense and for a refuge from the storm and from wrath when it shall be poured out without mixture upon the whole earth. That may not be an allowed quote. <laughs> I think it's important to to arise and shine forth, that thy light may be a standard for the nations. Whatever it is you stand for, stand for it. Stand, and, and I hope you stand for truth and for the Word and for the Logos and for Jesus Christ, because that's the only real defense we have against the the storm and the wrath when it shall be poured out without mixture. It may, that means it's not going to be diluted. It's going to be pure wrath <laughs> no it is it's ominous i agree you you can't for you you could sit here and emphasize this a whole lot more and it wouldn't be overemphasizing that that's uh i, I think it's interesting that's that serious in the following verses they're commanded to build a house unto me for the gathering together of my saints that they may worship me i think that that that's significant as well and i think that can be temples that can also be your own home Mm-hmm. and your own home can be a defense and you can stand you can be a standard for the nations mm-hmm. that was and i think this is a good this is a good section to point out that what what was commanded here never happened the temple was not built at far west and the city of far west did not become what they were hoping in this and so the lord's commandments do change they do 
they are they do apply to individuals and and uh, in some cases they apply the, the the scriptures can be likened to you the the exact words could be but but usually it's the pattern right it's the pattern of apostasy restoration of uh, pride and you know right falling away and if the church is the people no one is immune to it no group of people in the church is immune to it no uh, I, I think you hear what I'm saying there it's like you, you you don't get a free pass nobody gets a free pass <laughs> right nobody gets to vote themselves a free pass right so I think uh, yeah in closing my last word would be to to figure out who you are and how you can hear the words of, of Jesus Christ and then do that and seek for those words wherever they are taught, wherever they are taught and by whomever they are taught, seek them and embrace them. And that doesn't mean, uh, if you, you know, go to church, meet with believers, reason one with another, have tough discussions. Edify and educate one another. That's to me. That's that's the only way growth happens. That's the right. only way. It's that's the only, only way you can move forward way. is to to work these things out. And you got to you know. One, I think it's it's a key ingredient to repentance is to have your mind open. And I'm not tell, I'm not being pretending to be a source of of mind a single source mind changing truth here. What I'm saying is that. The Spirit can open your mind and, and can inspire you and, uh, to repent and to learn. And, and that happens to me often, and I'm often chastised <laughs> by what I've, I think is the Spirit. And, you know, and, and sometimes I'm also told to shut up and to be quiet <laughs> and to just watch and listen. But whatever you, you feel is the best way for you to do these things, I think do them. Dive into it. and. And let your mind be uh, open because by the power of the Holy Ghost, we can know the truth of all things. That's Moroni 10 something, right? Chapter and verse. <laughs> well, I got the chapter. <laughs> yeah. And it, but it's an it's important statement because it's the, it's the truth of all things. All things. Not just... A certain things, or some things, or church things, or godly things, but all things, and I, and and that's a great promise. Moroni's promise there is is uh, is all encompassing. It's a, it's it's the standard of finding truth and in the pattern. It's the recipe for it. So go back and 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 reread that, and then try to apply it. That's what I like to try to do. Yeah. Amen. And if we're wrong, then may you know. I hope that I will be chastised by the Lord, and I can have further repentance and and further light and knowledge. Well, I think that's the key: is it be the Lord doing the chastising, not someone else on His behalf, right? Just following protocol, right? I think it's important to know that you have to have a personal relationship with God. That's that's the whole point that's, of coming unto Christ, right? You can't do it in the back seat of a car that's you know that's the whole uh, uh 
you know, in somebody else's car, right? Or Vessel. Uh, this backseat of the car illusion here is, is losing me. I'm thinking of this is like a speech you give to the youth regularly. You can't do that in the backseat of a car. <laughs> what I'm saying is you can't you can't ride there as a somebody passenger. as a passenger, right? As soon as I said backseat of the car, it fell apart, right? I, there's you know, there's a better analogy that that the Lord gave, and that's the oil in the lamps, right? You you've got to have you your own have oil, oil in your own lamp, yeah. And that's a you know a popular one that we hear a lot, but it's true. You've got to have your own light. It's not an accident that oil is burned for light. You've got to have your own light. And how do you get that? Well, you seek it. Yeah. <clears throat> you see. And then when you have it, verily I say unto you all, arise and shine forth that thy light may be a standard for the nations. If we're ever in a time where the nations need a standard, Now's a pretty good time. Yeah. It would be, that light would be something different than the the regular fare. And I think that's where a lot of us are going, hey, it's not appropriate for you to to just shut everybody up that has a differing opinion. It's not appropriate for us to not talk about these things. It, 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 if if your only option is to shut down the discussion, that proves the point, folks. That proves the point. But anyway, I guess we'll see what comes of this. Uh, again, these are just our honest thoughts, and uh, they're honest questions, and they're honest opinions. And if we have a differing opinion... Is it safe to say that publicly? Maybe we'll find out. <laughs> We'd love to hear from you uh, in the comments section. And uh, you can find us. You know where to find us because you found us. That's right. And we will be back again next week. Okay. Maybe. We'll be back. <laughs>